0: Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, episode 18.
1: Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hosler.
0: Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy Hosler, and I'm your host today. And today we have a very exciting guest. I have Dr. Ed Davis. He is an orthodontist in Columbia, South Carolina. He owns his own practice called Davis Orthodontics. Now, he's been in business for a very long time. He's got some great ideas about marketing and about getting his customers involved with his business. He's a great example of how to take something that would normally be um, where you'd mark it to a parent and actually turn it into user engagement with a child or, or his a customer who's normally uh, in the, the preteen and the teenager type uh, age range. So we're so excited to have Dr. Ed Davis with us and uh, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Well, thanks. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, can you get us started by telling us a little bit about you personally and professionally? I'll be honest with you. I am one of those that go to the about website, uh, about page of any website that I go to. And I found some very interesting things on your about page. And if you don't talk about them, I will probably bring (laughs) them up. So, um, So tell us a little bit about yourself and all the interesting things we need to know to get to know you personally and professionally.
1: Well, I grew up here in the uh, Columbia area, and so I'm a home home raised boy, um, and really just got interested in dentistry at an early age. Um, uh-huh. Went to the University of South Carolina, go Gamecocks, um, to, yes. <laughs> um, for you know undergraduate. Made my way down to Charleston for dental school, and over to St. Louis for orthodontic school. Um, that my wife is St. Louis, and so, you know, that that's one of the best things that came out of going to orthodontic school. And, Absolutely.
2: Uh,
1: we have uh, four wonderful children. Um, and so it's, you know, I tell everybody that I am an uh, Orthodontist by hobby and an underpaid chauffeur by trade, um, by selling ah. kids around <laughs> everywhere. <laughs>
0: I can imagine four different schedules is hard hard to keep up with, and then add your own in, and it gets very complicated. So yes, yes. So but, it's diff-
1: um, well, I was gonna say, but you know, other than that, I do. You know, we do a lot of community work. I'm on on a school board for my my children. I do a lot of work with our our church. Uh, you know substitute organ, um, and um, also work with our town of Springdale for its. Um, Zoning board, so a lot of hats all over the place.
0: Absolutely, and you've been in private practice. Have you been in private practice most of your career? Then,
1: yes, I graduated from school December two thousand, and basically um, started fresh in February of two thousand one.
0: Okay, wow, that's that's a. Uh... I mean, that's a great way to start out. Just go ahead and start it from the beginning and not have to fool with anyone else. So we'll we'll definitely get into how that led you there. But I have to ask you, how did you become the backup organist for your church? Because m- most cool guys, let's just face it, don't really play the organ for church. So it kind of <laughs> doesn't really fit with the stereotype there. So tell us well, about that because it's I got, fascinating.
1: I got started with that at a – a, basically, I I played piano from – first grade to twelfth grade. Um, And kind of getting into how I got interested into organ is kind of how I got interested into dentistry. Um, When I was, um, I guess, in middle school, um, the organist at our church growing up was a dentist. And so he was a dentist during the week and an organist on the weekend, and he ran the choir rehearsals and and so on. And so his wife taught organ. And so okay. I got interested in dentistry, basically from him. Got uh-huh. interested in continuing organ through her. Um, wow! And it was something that you know, it's when I went to dental school. Um, there was a a, ch- a church right down the street from my apartment, and um, kind of substituted a lot there. And it honestly, it it pays well, especially for a starving student.
2: So yes.
1: it you know it, it was good and i could actually tell everybody later on and tell my children that look you keep this up it will pay you pay back off. later on <laughs> you know That's i i fun. don't do a whole lot with with my church i do a lot more with the um surrounding churches because at the time <laughs> our um our priest thought i played too loud and so
0: <laughs> oh my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i haven't been able to go back there for a while <laughs>
0: That's, that's hilarious. Well, you know, I definitely thought you broke the mold as far as, you know, dental, dentist by day, organist on the weekend, you know, but apparently there was already, the mold was cast. So you just had to step up and take over the next generation of that. So very interesting. I love finding tidbits about that that are just about people that are unexpected like that. So (laughs) that's great. Now, right after you got out of dental school and decided you went and, you know, wanted to go into orthodontics, you that's when you started your practice. So you probably, I would imagine, had a little bit of fears. I would imagine you were um, coming out of school, fresh out of college, with not a lot of business experience. So talk about any kind of fears that you might have had when you first started out.
1: Well, the fears is kind of like the field of dreams. If you build it, you hope that they will come. Um, it, right. And in, in my situation is a little bit um, odd in that I got, two perspectives on coming out of school. Um, you know, it, it's about a 11 years of, um, of schooling after high school. So you wow. have a massive amount of debt already. Um, mm-hmm. Then you And so I had, I knew I wanted to go back to the area where I grew up. Um, but there wasn't, and I talked to a couple of um, orthodontists in the area to buy out their practice or being a, an associate in their practice, and there just wasn't that many opportunities there. The okay. the one guy that I was looking at, he wanted two wheelbarrows of cash to to buy his practice, and I had <laughs> about a half a wheelbarrow.
0: I got so, gotcha.
1: There was a practice down about forty miles south of where I am, and I, um, that was basically selling it very good. The coin to coin, the Godfather, it was a deal I couldn't refuse.
0: Oh um, wow!
1: <laughs> so. It was, it was, a, it was a small practice. It was a dying practice, but it had about a hundred patients in it. And that was enough for me to kind of get in, um, get my fingers wet and start working, learning some right. business sets, getting some timing and some flow of uh, my schedule. Um, and at the same time, created some cash flow that I could then start my practice from scratch in the Columbia area. Um, okay. And so, I, you know, I have a perspective of starting one, buying one from somebody as well as starting one from scratch. Um, and so now the two areas where the the one that had the patients was the main office, that mm-hmm. is now flip-flopped. And so the one that I originally bought is now my satellite practice that we're there one day a week. And the one that I started from scratch is a thriving practice that we're um, doing quite well at. Um, wow! And so, you know, you you learn a lot.
0: Yeah, along the well, way. it's it's kind of like you had the best of both worlds because you got to go through the acquisition process, but at the same time, you were still able to go through the starting from scratch, which you know is I, I know there's two completely different lessons that you learned from doing right.
2: each of those. Right, I can imagine. exactly.
0: So did you have any sort of business coaches or mentors or anything like that to help you with the business? I know I know, in, in dental school, I've, obviously, they teach you, you know, about having a business, you know, as a practice and that sort of thing. And I'm sure you had some business background just from the schooling. But did you have any kind of a mentor or coach that helped work with you on these things?
1: Well, um, two things. One, I would probably think my dad, who was a CPA at the time, um, ah. knew a lot of practices. And, and, or knew, and, and he had dental practices that were his clients. So he kind of helped me along in trying to understand some business side, financial matters, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, in, in our dental school um, and in our orthodontic residency, there is very little business classes.
0: Oh, really? Um, and it, okay. Yeah, and
1: that's one of the misnomers about – and the bad thing about kids who are coming out of school these days is they come out knowing a lot about their trade but nothing about how to run a practice.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: nothing about how to deal with staff or how right. to deal with And so that's, you know, you kind of, you honestly, sometimes you either got to learn it fast and it comes to you naturally or you really struggled with it. Um, right. Thankfully, I, I feel like I it kind of came to me a little bit easier. I had a lot of bumps in the road, but um, I still, you know, my, my staff, I think they appreciate me and, and we get along great. And I think we've grown well from that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, a and you, process.
0: you're right though when you say that, um, you know, it, some of these things don't come naturally because it's, I mean, it's hard enough for anybody in the business world to, um, learn how to be a boss and learn how to do employee relations and not just that, but learn how to hire people, learn how to handle all the HR and make sure you're treating people the way they need to be, you know, should be treated. But then, at the same time, you've got to deal with your craft and your, you know, your actual skills, um, which is what your schooling dealt with. So it, it is. I can imagine it would be a steep learning curve for someone that did not have those things come naturally or didn't even have a lot of depth of business experience, because it's, it's critical to be able to yeah, have a successful practice.
1: A lot of that of what you see is most people. A, a lot of, a lot, I'll say, a lot of your older generations, um, right. Venice, um, they want to go to work and they want to go back home they don't want to deal uh, with the day in and day out business side and you know um, of finding out how much things cost you know right who's who's marketing what and who's mm-hmm. managing who and things like that um and in today's world it, that just doesn't cut it you right. really have to be able to be a jack of all trades and and have all those different hats and to be able to take them all to you know one after another and putting them by on, the right. and it it does make it difficult for people coming out these days.
0: Well, and I think now more than ever, I mean granted we have the internet and all that. There're there more tools than ever at your disposal to help with those things. However, it can also be overwhelming, you know, to try to figure all those things out. So, it's a double-edged sword I think with the with the technology, so. Well, and I would um, say that's
1: true because we whenever um Whenever I got out, you know, they're obviously looking, you know, I, I bought some manuals and some very inexpensive things that you could basically could just read on your own to try mm-hmm. to do. And it helped out, especially for hiring and kind of know how to do an application, what to look for, what to ask. Yeah. Um, it was later on, um, you know, 10 years after work, you know, after being in practice, that we really went to a... Um, you know, higher echelon stuff and, and really getting uh-huh. consulted to kind of help hone in our skills and management skills, and which really helped out a lot. Um,
0: yeah, it's great when you can see the payoff on that kind of investment yeah. that you make. So you mentioned you've had some bumps along the road and we don't obviously want to focus a lot on failures because I know every business owner has probably as many or more failures than they actually have successes. But can you give us any particular failure maybe that comes to mind that we could learn a lesson from that we could share for other people to also learn from?
1: Yeah. Uh, And there's one that has, I think it was probably within my first year, uh okay. first or second year and it really has stuck with me ever since that happened. And it was it's basically the lesson is um be true to your word and, and, and um stand by it. But I had mm-hmm. it was something very simple of that I had we were gonna do a, a splint, which is like a mouth card um uh-huh. for a patient. And I included her a fee. She accepted that fee. Um when I got to the lab bill in um, the lab bill was a whole lot more than I had anticipated being, and huh. so I either had to basically go in the hole for it, or I had to say, "Okay, look, I'm sorry, but we we quoted you the wrong fee for it, and it's really going to be this."
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: we took that second round, did not okay. go over well, um, and so. <laughs> Um, and I could say we never got that other half, and I don't think we really saw her that much after that. Um,
2: uh-huh. But
1: it really stuck to me that it was when you when you quote something or you say something to somebody, you need to stand by that, whether or not you're in the wrong or, or you're in the right. Um, right. You know, in other words, you know, if you did it wrong, well, then you need to accept that and, and take that as a learning experience.
0: Um, well, don't you think the lesson, though, in that, too, is that – it's more memorable, and that, that lesson that you learned, b- because it cost you so much or because it came out of your pocket, so to speak, that's one that you don't easily forget. <laughs> so right. it's fresh exactly. on your mind for the next time. You know, you make absolutely sure you check and double-check so that you don't end up coming out of your pocket again.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Those, those hard lessons we 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 uh, do to ourselves sometimes are the best education we can get. So it's costly yeah. sometimes, but you got you got to have those. So definitely a good, you know, that's something that every business has to deal with, whether you, you know, quote for products or services. And, you know, there are going to be jobs that you will end up losing money on simply because you made a mistake. And that, it's not your customer's fault, you know. Right. So it's a tough lesson to learn. So you have got... um a fantastic website um, for your uh, business and your practice. And I noticed on there you have just a lot of involvement and in everything with your customers or your clients um, and patients and that sort of thing. What marketing strategies are working for Davis Orthodontics right now?
1: Well, we try to do all different strategies kind of at going in different directions at one time and never just focusing on one. We have. Our, our patient marketing, um, we have like basically a direct to patient. So that's basically in-office promotions, whether it's a contest. Uh, we have a, a Davis Rewards card. So if the patient wears their, their Davis Orthodontics T-shirt. Um, okay. Or they, they come in on time. They brush their teeth. Um, they didn't break anything. They'll earn points. And so once mm-hmm. they get it to a certain level, they can go online and redeem that for a gift, gift card to pretty much a numerous amount of stores. Um, okay. So we have that for in-house marketing. We have um, marketing going to uh, referring doctors and their staff members. So we'll do uh, – we have one going on right now, which is a dinner and a movie. And so mm-hmm. it's nothing more than just um, they faxing in a list of their names and then after about a month we draw name in a hat. Uh, we okay. We have – our social media marketing we do have some um a billboard that we 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 didn't really want to do that but we kind of jumped into it and what we we had a photo session with a lot of our finish with a lot of our patients whether they somewhere in uh-huh. somewhere out and so we've been spotlighting our local celebrity so to say on that billboard which generates a lot of shadow uh-huh. online right and so, which then kind of leads back to our office. So, we try to, you know, do a whole lot of different um, different activities, different marketing strategies, going to different directions. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to be doing pretty good.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Is it is it kind of unheard of that, I mean, well, let me just ask you instead of presuming what the answer is. But if somebody comes to you to get braces unless they move out of the area or something like that, is it just pretty much assumed that they're going to be with you automatically through the entire process until those braces are removed? Or is there a possibility of losing that patient throughout the process?
1: I would probably say 95% that patient stays with you unless there are um, circumstances that are beyond your control. They move, mm-hmm. you know, or and, you know, lose a job or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Very little, and even even from other offices that I've come to mind, very little times do you actually have somebody who gets so disgruntled that they then transfer to another office within the same town. And there's mm-hmm. kind of a little unwritten code uh, amongst us that, mm-hmm. that we try not to take um, in-town transfers. Um, I
0: see. Okay.
1: Usually. Um, and I would say majority of cases when that's happened, it's usually somebody hasn't paid a bill. Okay. And so they're trying to transfer to somebody else can they can get their treatment done there and not worry about paying the other guy.
2: But Mm -hmm. we all respect
1: each other that, you know, if if somebody owes something to somebody else, um, we try not to take that off and then have them lose that money. Right. They're getting. Um, If there is some, obviously if there is blatant neglect from the, the other doctor or, They actually, they, you know, sometimes there is a personality
2: issue Mm -hmm. or something.
1: Mm -hmm. You go in one day and they just, you just, they just, that, that doctor ticks that person off and nothing can be done. Then we may converse with that doctor about that patient and say, Hey, look, you know, I saw them. They're not happy with you. You know, we try to get them to come back, but they really don't. They'd like to come here. And, and Mm -hmm. usually that's very well accepted, but that's very rare that that happens.
0: I see. So really, all of your marketing efforts essentially have to be done on the complete front end of the whole consultation to even decide whether a patient needs braces or pretty not. Much, yeah. Is that pretty much? Okay. And um I noticed, too, that you um, actually do a lot of... Um, I don't want to say get togethers or whatever, but you have you have a lot going even though you're you're kind of locked in to 95% of your patients just by by default so to speak you, you seem to be doing a lot to try to build uh, your your uh, relationship or the connection that those patients have with you. Well, um, that's
1: exactly I, what we try to do. We we pride ourselves on kind of having a family atmosphere at our at our practice and um, that we really try to get to know the patient and the family, and by doing uh-huh. these get-togethers, like um, you probably, you know, you probably saw the, the skate night that we yes, had. Yes, I
0: there. did. I saw that. Um,
1: and so that not only builds, you know, a little bit just a, a, a relationship on a personal level with these kids. From a marketing level, we allow them to bring their their friends, um, their brothers and sisters, and so those people then get to see the relationship that their friend has with with me and my family. Right. And hopefully, they may
0: want to have something like that when they go to it. Absolutely. Well, and you know, that, that, even that patient that you have today that might be the only child. You don't know at what point in time there'll be another brother or sister or even friend um, at that age that that you're dealing with a lot of these kids um, where suddenly they're gonna be like, what orthodontist do you go to? And your name is gonna come up at some point in time. So I think that's that's great to make sure those connections are um, really I mean, it's sometimes it's hard for even a professional person to connect with kids, and you're dealing with kids a lot. And so to have that connection or have those events that are specifically geared toward those connections, not just to the kids' parents. But to make sure the kids have a great time, I think that's brilliant marketing <laughs> in a very, very <laughs> subtle, very, very subtle way, you know, because it's not on right. your face. It's about having a good time and you interacting with the kids and all that. And ultimately, if you provide that value, it's great to have them come back as a patient or the brother or sister gets referred or the friend and that sort of thing. So excellent job on keeping the connection going and, and keeping the, the people close to you. You know, that, that's amazing. Now, as far as for what is going on in orthodontics today, I know that, you know, gosh, back when I had braces 30 years ago, um, they were expensive back then, and I know they're they're no less of a financial burden to um, families today, and especially when it seems like you might have two or three children in the same family that are in need of that. Um, what do you have any... Sp- strategies or tips or anything that you do to, to work with customers to try to get the financial burden minimized or anything like that?
1: Well, first of all, it's obviously insurance helps but they have that. Um, okay. Usually, and, but the problem with insurance is that they pay about the same as, as they did 20 years ago. And so okay. while the cost of orthodontics has gone up, insurance payout has not. Um, and so it, insurance roughly pays about – 25 percent, 20 to 25 percent at best
2: for wow. so the total fee. Wow. Okay.
1: Um, and most orthodontists, like, um, we will do a um, free consultation, um, so, so that whenever we you know, people want to come and um, just kind of check out their, you know, their their bite or their smile, mm-hmm. um, it's you know it's kind of a community service that you know most orthodontists do to uh-huh. try to provide that. Um, but then as far as a payment, I mean, there's always a, there's always a down payment because you have your, your okay. most investments at the very beginning because the brackets can be expensive. Uh, uh-huh. But then you'll spread out payments over 20 to 24 months okay. um, at, at a no interest. There are mm-hmm. other options that um, if a down payment is too high, there are some outside financing that requires a no down payment. But then there's always interest involved in that. So there are a
0: couple of ways.
1: Yeah, and generally, you know, when we look at it, most people, if you can keep a a monthly payment under $200, Uh that's pretty more accepted. If you get above that, they're thinking car payment.
0: Right, yeah. So it
1: it sends Hmm. in a different mentality on that. Um, and then we also do things to try. We're always, you know, we're always supportive of our community members. Um, we, for clergy and firefighters and police, school teachers, we do a 5% courtesy on. Um, and then uh, obviously we do a family um, discount program as well for I gotcha. multiple family members.
0: Okay, and those are things that really that you've just chosen to implement in your practice, right? I mean, it may it may or may not be the same for every other honest out there. Okay, correct. Yes, and that I guess you know that is one of the benefits of, of owning your own practice is that you can you can make up the policies and the rules and things like that and try to give help where you feel like help is is warranted. So, right. Um, now, let me ask you this: I know with a lot of um, practices of any type in the medical field Um, missed appointments are kind of an issue and I know that they're a drain on your time and your staff's time and they're just most of the time just a a complete uh, financial uh, debacle whenever you have a lot of patients missing appointments but I know it's an issue what strategies are you guys using to minimize your missed appointments?
1: Yeah it's kind of odd in trying to um counteract that it seems like you're going to do the, the, the least productive thing possible but when doing our, um, our having our consult I mean our consultant talk to us you really need to, uh, what they recommend and which has been successful in us is that if somebody misses their appointment well you instill the value in that uh, by um, making that that makeup appointment farther out. Uh, oh, okay. So that they realize, okay, I missed an appointment. Um, it, Dr. Davis is, is a busy person, and so
2: mm-hmm.
1: I can't get in tomorrow. Um, yeah. And so because, you know, um, he just doesn't have that available. And so you have So we, we try to instill the value of your appointment um, and why you, you shouldn't miss it. Um, uh-huh. Now, there are obviously circumstances that where we will make exceptions for that. Right. Um, and you know, somebody's car broke down or something like that. Right. But when you have your chronic people that are always missing appointments, yes, it does block it. You know, it does take up time and it's, it's, it's lost production. Uh, and so that is a huge thing that all, I would say all dental professionals <laughs> deal with.
0: Right. Yeah. I, and I know it's a, you know, it's a, an issue with, you know, how many, uh, the percentage of appointments that are there. And then, you know, there's the big uh, debate of, you know, do you charge a missed appointment fee or do you not? And, you know, ways to, I don't want to say make it punitive, but kind of like you're talking about, make there be a negative consequence that will make people think twice before they just flippantly forget about an appointment. And so I think that's exactly what you've got there and, and trying to Give the perception that it's going to be a while before you can get back in, so you might as well keep the appointment that you have.
1: Yeah, and the hard thing for orthodontics and versus dentistry or medicine is that sometimes dentistry, medicine, if you have like a two missed appointment, you're 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 dismissed from the practice.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
1: it's a little harder for us to do that because when you take on a case and you have that person in braces, where you're you're kind of committing yourself to getting that taken care of. And so mm-hmm. there there are protective laws for the patients that you just can't willy nilly abandon somebody. I see. And, and so we the orthodox are a little bit different. We have to we have to try different ways. You, so you, you know, charging them doesn't necessarily work because usually somebody mm-hmm. who's, who's late is somebody already has a balance and so they're not paying it Right. Anyways. Yeah. Just um, add to it. Yeah. <laughs> just add to it. <laughs> um, but to try to dismiss them, um, they're going to probably say that's more of abandonment and you're going to have the business will be
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is that now that you mention it with orthodontics rather than uh, any other type of profession in the medical or dental industry, is um, you have a longer treatment cycle than most of those. And so when you're taking on a patient, you're looking at what is it average two to three years or something like that?
1: Probably a year and a half to two years now. Okay. Treatment It's gotten a little bit faster. Uh, okay. But then, you know, but you add on your retention periods. And so you are seeing that patient for at least three years,
2: which is mm-hmm. one reason
1: why I chose orthodontics. So you can, you, you, you know, you're seeing somebody every six weeks and mm-hmm. you can build a better relationship with and seeing somebody either once every six months or whenever your toe hurts and you go see your physician. Right.
0: Yeah, only <laughs> when there's a problem.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that makes, definitely makes a difference. Now, um, <laughs> yeah for some of us anyway, we have to know what's going what's wrong before we go to the doctor, you know so we, we all have our own things so now, as far as your um, practice goes, you currently just to give a little bit of um, I don't want to say demographics of your practice, but you have how how many employees under in your practices right now?
1: I have eight under me
0: eight okay, eight on, under you and um, as far as the employee retention and that sort of thing, I, I didn't really, um, you know, specifically give you these questions or anything ahead of time. But but what do you do to get those? Because I, I can imagine it's a real drain on your time to get people in and train them, only to have them leave. And you've probably seen the employment employment market change from 2001 when you first started your practice. So can you give us any advice for those people that might, you know, have. Uh, to start hiring people or trying to keep people, what are you doing that's working for you and keeping your eight employees?
1: Well, I, I think the biggest thing is to, it's so simple, but treat your employees as you would want to be treated. I mean, it's the golden rule kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you got, I mean, you really have to understand that these are people with, with feelings, with desires. Um, they want to advance. They want to do well. They want to please you, and you have to recognize that. And reward them, and um, really I honestly if it's somebody good, um, pay them what they're worth um, ah, so okay. nobody wants to nobody wants to work for pennies and be inundated with a ton of responsibilities and, mm-hmm. and and so you you have I mean not that you know I am certainly by no means paying my staff the best in the whole city. Um, and mm-hmm. I, very well still middle of the road as far as that goes, but um, but you know, I have children, my staff have children, I understand parental needs. If they have a sick child, I don't yell at them because they, they can't come to the office.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, our our staff has individual duties but they're all cross trained. So if somebody does have to leave, somebody can fill in for that day. Um, mm-hmm. and so it does make it a little bit more welcoming environment. Um, where people can feel comfortable that if I have an emergency, I'm not going to get you know right fat, or that if or or, or that I, I feel welcome and and even with that i I still have to work day in and day out and trying to make sure that my like, staff feel like they are doing a good job, and if they're not to really just be honest with them and tell them, mm-hmm. hey, this was not good, I'm not gonna hold a grudge on you. But you need to get this in check and get it correct right,
2: right,
1: um, and so you know nobody wants to nobody wants you to to, to feel like a fear of doing something, so mm-hmm. recognize recognize their their shortcomings, give them a solution to how to make it better, and move on
0: well, and you know you as the um owner of the practice. You really set the tone for what kind of day you're gonna have sometimes with your employees, I'm sure. I mean it it's it's almost like you don't get the opportunity to have a bad day yourself. Because you if you have a it. bad day if you have a bad day, it just gets worse after those the rest of those eight people also have a bad day because you had a bad day. So. And
1: I will not lie, I have walked in one time and I said, Look, I am having an awful morning. I am in a bad mood but I'm going to do my best to try not to make you all in a bad mood.
0: (laughs) You know, people respect that kind of honesty and transparency because it's not like you're being fake, but at the same time you're you're saying, I'm giving you a little subtle warning. I might not be my normal, cheerful, you know, bluebird of paradise here and and being happy and all. Um, So if I... Respond in a little different way, it's it's a bad morning. So you're, you're kind of giving your disclaimer. <laughs> so right. people proceed with caution after that, I'm sure. Now, you mentioned that you're using um, Facebook and social media. Uh, is Facebook the only social media that you're using right now?
1: Well, our Facebook mirrors Twitter. Um, okay. I, I, I don't really get Twitter that much. The, I understand okay. Facebook very well. Um, and then we have a, um, a highly underused blog spot. Um, okay. But we, it, it is there, and it's there for us to use when we have a moment. But uh, we do a lot with Facebook. Um, it's, you know, try to get one to two posts per day. Um, mm-hmm. We run our contest through there. The, the Davis Rewards card is linked to our Facebook page, so it posts uh, the contest there as well. Um, we try to basically kind of keep people – this is anybody, would, you know, from Facebook involved in the daily life. We try to keep them involved in what our daily life is at the office. You know, we try. To, mm-hmm. We're having fun. I, I I don't know if you look a lot. Of, if you look at our Facebook page, but we had last week a the um, high school was doing a charity drive, and it was called an adopted goat. And so they brought <laughs> a baby goat to the office and handed oh it to me. And Aww. it was going to cost $25 to to pass that goat along to somebody Oh, my
0: else. gosh. How and funny. So
1: <laughs> we took pictures of it, had a field day, posted online. I mean, we had a huge response as far as things got shared and shared. And so it was – and so that's where, you know, things kind of get a little viral and trying to
0: – Right. To, to that that user it. engagement, though. That's right. what everybody would love to have. You know, that's the goal. So – Excellent. Now, do you have somebody in your practice that you're kind of um, manages that Facebook for you, or are you actually involved in doing all that?
1: No, I have um, a part-time employee that we call our public relations coordinator. Okay. So she is in charge of all of um, my uh, marketing all the physical posts, um, coordinating my flyers with the graphics designer and all that kind of stuff. Okay. I really didn't think that I would need to have to pay somebody specifically for that, but it has been a (laughs) great move.
0: Well, and, you know, that is something that not a lot of practices actually have – you know, that's a position that a lot of them don't add specifically. You know, it might be that the tasks get incorporated into other job descriptions or other people's roles within the practice, but – the value of having that in one person, and, and like you said, even just it being a part-time employee, that that's their specialty, I'm sure you get a gain from that part-time employee that some people might not get from a full-time employee trying to take that role over.
1: Correct, correct.
0: Now, for you specifically, um, in the day-to-day running of your business and keeping it uh, in between the ditches, so to speak, yeah. uh, what, is your, what is your favorite tool that you like to use to help run your business?
1: Well, I know that it sounds really simple, but it is my, my schedule. Um, it's okay. our, our, our software that makes it with my schedule. If, if the, the schedule is kind of the, the golden platform that we run on every day. And so if we get behind on that, um, it, it makes the day long. Um, and I so see. it's, it's a great gauge of seeing where we are and knowing who needs to be at what place at what time. To get more into what I think you're wanting to, what you, you're talking about, um, well, I don't have it yet, um, but it is, it's, a, it's an upgrade software that will be available next year once my software company makes a bridge for it. But there is a mm-hmm. program called GAGE that is made for an orthodontics. Um, offices, and it okay. basically can it will track our our new our our, our screenings to find out um, how many of those are converting to patients, so how many are converting to what we call observation patients,
2: to mm-hmm. how many are
1: gone lost, to how how uh, um, how long an appointment is taking, to how to our finances, to also
0: wow. compare
1: it takes all that information in and database and then compares you. To your state and to the Southeast region.
0: Oh, well. okay. So wow, that, that is
1: very good information. I'm not very eager to get started.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine it's going to be shocking whenever you first start getting those reports and seeing seeing where your your baseline is. That's, right. It's always a, a little bit of a reality check, I guess, for that kind of thing. Now, just out of curiosity, about how many patients a day are you seeing on average? Um,
1: 60 to 65.
0: Wow. So that is a busy, busy practice. I don't know how you have time for all that. (laughs) Small, small windows of scheduling is is critical with that, I know. And for your practice specifically, and I know you said you've got the one satellite office where you're just there one day a week and then the other um, practice, you're there five days a week. What performance metrics or key indicators are you measuring on those to know how you're doing right now?
1: Basically, it's just trying to figure out how many um, starts and conversions that we have, Um, Mm -hmm. and and then also um, figure out where those starts and where they're coming from. And so, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, you know, how many who's our best referring doctor, who's our doctor that we need to work more on to to get more patients from? What do we need Mm -hmm. to to make them go? And so those reports that we run kind of give us an idea on which direction either we need to do as far as financial collections or where we need to direct our marketing.
0: I see. Now, let me ask you this, just out of curiosity. um, You have a certain amount of, of, like you said, free consultation appointments and that sort of thing. Um, And Obviously, it would probably be a bad week in the practice if you filled your schedule with, you know, seventy-five percent of your appointments being free consultation appointments. So, how do you do? You kind of have it broken down to where you only schedule so many of those per week, or how does how do you kind of strategize that? Uh,
1: yes, you're exactly right. The uh, we as part of our, our schedule, we have six chairs laid out. Four are are what we call our operatory chairs where we're seeing patients putting braces on and things like that. We have a screening chair, which is um, specifically, that, that that column is only for new patient exams. And so new patient exams are scheduled out for an hour apiece, piece. And so we can get basically six in a day. And then we okay. have a, a specific chair that is designed for our diagnostic records, which are our x-rays, impressions, and photographs. So I have... Three assistants to run the four chairs where we're treating patients.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one, one, what I call our treatment coordinator, who was running the new patient exams, and then my records specialist, who is running all the, the impressions. And so oh. everybody has their, they said their task, and they can all run independently of each other. Interesting. And so while the the treatment coordinator is, you know, going over the pluses of the practice and why they need to come here, I'm in the other room doing putting braces on. When she's ready to (laughs) over, I'll step over so that will take an impression over there, and I'll do my talk, and then I'll come back and check out that. So it's a lot of knowing where you have to be at a certain time period to make things run efficiently. And that's interesting is really the name of the game in a dental office.
0: Because, oh, absolutely!
1: Because we pride ourselves that you should not be waiting no longer than ten minutes.
0: Oh wow! Your okay. appointed
1: time. So you know, we go to pedi- with four children. We're at the pediatricians' office all the time.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> you know what the wait
1: times are. <laughs> wait times are not fun. You just get no. you know, all the kids and an iPod, and you just tell, okay, we're going to be here a lot. <laughs>
0: Enjoy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daddy's not going yeah. to yell
1: at you now for playing games. Go have fun. Exactly,
0: um, exactly.
1: So, but, and that's what, and the parents appreciate that. Because you're coming in sure. after school, they have school activities, you know, they come in the morning, they got to get to algebra class. So everybody, everybody is so busy.
0: Yeah. Everybody's
1: busy. I don't remember us all being this busy. It didn't seem like ago. it
0: did. It did not seem like it, really. Yeah. <laughs> and summers were longer back then, too, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> so.
1: yeah, a whole other podcast.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, and the thing is, seeing kind of how it works, for those of us who aren't, you know, privy to the inner workings of a any type of medical or dental practice, um, it's, it is interesting to see how these um, – these workflows that are really overlapping layout because there there might be other industries that can kind of borrow from what you guys are doing because clearly to be able to see 60 to 65 patients a day consistently and not have it just be n- anything more than organized chaos um, is, is a credit to you and your staff for being able to organize it and be efficient with all that. So I just definitely think there's some things there that other people can learn from. so. Well, and the one
1: thing we did to get there is we did time studies on what uh, an appointment takes, uh, who is being utilized at what part of the appointment versus another time of the appointment, and then arrange those on our scheduled template so that mm-hmm. they mesh well together. Um, and so that's where, you know, you, we had to research and to study it. And it you mm-hmm. know, it took a three-month process to get that to where it
0: won't. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And
1: so some, some things we learned we needed to make longer. Some things we need, we could make shorter um, <laughs> so that we could get things running smoothly. But it, it did take a little bit of research to try to get it done. And, it's like I said, it, it really – we had an assistant that went away. She was on bed rest and then maternity leave. So she was gone for uh, basically, I don't know, nine months. And oh, wow. she came back, and she was like, wow. Y'all are really <laughs> <running> good now.
0: <laughs> you know, though, the interesting thing is, is that you, as a business owner, you know, apart from being an orthodontist, had the forethought to say, you know what, we're going to take the time to do what we need to do to set this up right. For the future now it might mean we're a little more inefficient this week or it might be the time studies are going to bog us down because we got to remember to start and stop and you know do all these other things but then to take those and actually use that data and use um that to build build out the rest of your practice i mean you you have reaped the rewards of that three-month investment Year after year after year since you've done that, you know, and you don't ever have to do it again. I mean, I'm not saying you never have to research or study anything again, but the hard part of it is done. You know, the infrastructure is there now for you. So what a great lesson for all the rest of us that need to do things (laughs) like that. But it's the same thing with your I mean, it's the same thing with your own life. You know, sometimes. You get too caught up in the day-to-day of doing to actually stop and say, okay, wait a minute, I need to get myself organized or I'm not going to be able to keep up this pace. And right. it's the exact same thing that you did in your practice. And I'm sure you have to do that in your life as well, keeping up with the family and all the other obligations that you have. So We write um, down a lot of stuff. That, that Google calendar, I'm sure, is probably <laughs> yeah. all blocked out <laughs> yeah. for everyone. So Now, what we like to do we, whenever we're um, focused here on the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast on local businesses, and we really want to support local um, independent business owners and that sort of thing. And we probably have people that are actually um, – Thinking about getting into local business, so we always like to ask our business owners if there is a hole in the market that you have identified just from your own experience. And what I mean by that is, there a product or service that you would love to be able to source locally, but you simply cannot find it.
1: Yeah, when you me this, I thought about it for a while and. Well, I don't really think anything now that we that I need, but there was mm-hmm. uh, but something that recently that has come about that I say filled that void um, that other markets may not have. But we all have you know we all have our news you know, you know USA Today and AP News, but mm-hmm. one thing that we never really had was a local internet news media, um, oh. and so one of the radio stations. Um, um uh, guy came down, and he bought up two radio stations. And he, but he also started a local, he calls it uh, coladaily.com. And basically, he has his own reporters, and they go out to, I mean, they go to the school districts, the local municipalities, um, everywhere that you don't get in the local paper or in the, the, the AP wire. But mm-hmm. it's all the little stories and the people stories, the people within the community that they 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 write up and every day you know there's new stories. It may be about the local college team or or, mm-hmm. or the local high school team or the coach. Um, and that's been that's been fun to, um, to, to to read all those stories and stuff that um, sort you know stuff so that we
0: wouldn't normally have done or, or seen, right, um, or even so known what was going on.
1: Right, and so that's been a service that, that they've done here that I've really enjoyed. Um, wow, that, I didn't
0: I, even I wasn't even aware of that. Did not even know that existed.
1: Yeah, so it's um, colondaily dot com. So um,
0: well, I'll link up to that in our show notes, so we can link to them and people can see what you're talking about. Because I'm sure that's something that could be replicated in other communities as well. Right, right, very simple. That, that whole model. Now, as a Starting piece of wisdom, is there anything you can tell our listeners that you know now that you maybe wish you would have known when you were starting out, kind of wisdom you've gained over the course of all your business experience?
1: Well, the one thing that I always tell, um, I guess, whenever I I have students or dental students, they come in and, you know, they always are shadowing and asking, what can you tell me, one thing, that?" and I, (laughs) you know, the... Uh, you know. The holy grail.
0: Don't pick don't your nose in public. Uh, but, you That's know. it. <laughs> Change your underwear every day, right? Yeah.
1: Um, but what I tell is that the best business advice I can give you, don't spend what you don't have.
2: Mm.
1: It is that simple. If you don't have it, don't spend it. You may want that big piece of equipment,
2: or you may uh-huh. want
1: this new website, uh-huh. If you ain't got it in the pra- if you don't have it in your bank account, don't do it, because wow. it, you know I I have never been in the red. I have always mm-hmm. been in the black, and even that my first year, with my office manager made more than I did. Wow! But you know I but you you um I started out my practice very simply because I didn't have it to spend. i knew yeah. people that built a Taj Mahal to begin with. Uh-huh. And they spend a lot of time trying to come out of debt. Now they're out of it, but they have right. a lot. They, you know, it was you. We would say house poor, you know. Right. Everything uh-huh. is tied up into all these payments and all these debts. Um, but if you don't have it, don't spend it. You know, same. You do the same thing in your private life.
0: Right. Well, and, More you know, people that,
1: shouldn't use that. <laughs>
0: that's exactly. And that's one of those things that is applicable across any business line. What doesn't, you know, it doesn't just apply to orthodontist or other people in your profession. It is, you know, good for any business to Follow that because you really, I mean, you can't go wrong. Maybe you'll grow a little bit slower than you thought you you wanted to, but you definitely can't go wrong when you don't have the debt hanging over your head that you've got to keep paying backwards every single month. So, excellent advice there. Now, you have been generous in giving us a lot of information today. Um, we've kind of gotten into the behind the scenes look of your uh, practice and that sort of thing. So, I wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything in regards to your business that we can share with our listeners that will help your practice.
1: Well, I mean, I would love for people to, to visit our website. You can either okay. go to dreddavis.com or okay bo braces this is davis orthodontics braces.com um okay. and just check us out you know even you know if you're in this area if you're in the columbia area you know we would love to be able to help you out um as far as um one thing that our office is doing next month that i would encourage people to 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 look into um april is autism awareness month um, okay has taken on upon, you know, a lot of people do stuff with breast awareness, or breast cancer uh-huh. awareness, or other types of charities, and we, we do, because autism is a little bit more, you see it more in children, and it's more prevalent. We have a lot of autistic patients, and so we have uh-huh. taken upon our office to, to do a, a charitable give back. Um, so it's what we do with, uh, there's, a, there's a walk um, at, the, at the end of the month that we, you know, there's an office, go in and, and try to encourage our patients to go, but what we do is blue is the color for autism awareness. Okay. And so for every kid that gets or adults that gets blue colors on their braces, we've been donate $5 to the Oh autism, wow, okay. Um, um,
0: foundation. Wow, what a great way to do that. And so it um, brings a
1: little bit of community awareness and then and then people feel like, you know, we're we're trying to spread the, the word and
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll definitely link up. What I do is um, in the after the podcasts are done, I go through and do show notes. And so we'll link up to all the online resources that you've mentioned today and um, the Cola Daily and the, your website and your Facebook page and, and Twitter and that sort of thing. So people can actually just click directly on the links and go right to your website from um, the podcast show notes. So awesome. I'll make sure all that is in there. Um, anything else you need to share with us today?
1: No, I think that's good. This has been
0: fun. Excellent. Yeah, it is. It's so exciting for me to to be able to kind of get the behind the scenes sneak peek version of uh, the the. Cliff Notes version of what you do every day. And uh, I know I have a lot more respect for orthodontists now. It's not, you know, staying on the golf course every uh, Friday and just seeing three patients a day or anything like that. So I know it takes a lot to keep it all going. So I appreciate your time. I know you have a busy, busy jam-packed schedule and you have been extremely generous and extremely open in sharing anything you can to help us today. And so I just thank you for your time. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you.
1: Me too. I appreciate it as well. It's been
0: fun. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also, you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us.
1: Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.